I always feel Hello. like we are like in a cheer squad when we start because for people and who, clap. I mean, we've never done this actually, but we, yeah, when we um, show your cinnamon rolls, is that a thing? Uh, I don't know. Were when you I, a cheerleader? When I was, no, I wasn't. But when I moved, you know how I graduated high school early and moved out to LA a little bit, a wee bit before college mm-hmm. um, to be an actress, <laughs> I was in some like little tiny independent project uh, that didn't go anywhere. But I was on the cheer squad. And so we got cheerleading lessons. Like I had to oh. go to a couple lessons from a cheer instructor. And this is all I remember is show your cinnamon rolls. Wow, I want cinnamon rolls That's now. That's what I got from it. Mm. But basically mm-hmm. when Crit and I start the episodes, we do a three, two, one countdown to start recording on our external microphones. And then we do a three, two, one clap so that our editor knows when to start editing. To, well, to try to sync up what yeah. we're saying. Yeah, that's true. If that's possible. With how much I stutter, I feel like that would be a very difficult thing to do. Because it's like, what noises are coming out of her mouth when? Because <laughs> there's just a lot happening. <laughs> but they're great. It's a bit of a possession, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is an Encounters episode. And so we're here to bring you some haunting tales. Yes. From your peers, maybe from you. It's an Encounters episode of our podcast called Two Girls, One Two Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. <laughs> you looked Why at me so confused. Yeah. I know. I was like, what is it called? <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying like, what are you doing? No, I forgot the name of our podcast for a millisecond. because so I was like, yeah, it's called Encounters. It happens. <laughs> it happens. But this is it. This is us. And uh, we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. I am Sabrina, mm-hmm. and yes, this is an Encounters episode, and I'm going to start. Yep, good, because you have three quarters of the brain cell today, and I only have a quarter, so Yes, please do the heavy lifting. <laughs> Anytime. I actually am really proud of myself. I lift heavy now. Well, actually, like the last year and a half has been my, my heavy lifting phase instead of just cardio, and I'm strong. Good. I'm sure you are. I've always thought you were super strong. Like deadlifting 100 pounds. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. That's power. Yeah. I'm I I'm basically like Rocky, you know? Do you look at your muscles in the mirror in the gym? <sighs> yeah. You should. Just flip. Truth or dare? Dare. Okay, next time you're in the gym. <laughs> you have to film it so I can see it. No, I won't make you do that. <laughs> but next time you're in the gym, I want you to just after you do something, to do like a little celebratory like <sighs> Okay, well I'll have to film it so that mirror. I prove that I did it. Yeah. Okay, truth or dare yeah. to you. Truth. No. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Hmm. Okay, dare. Oh, dare. you switched it. Okay, dare. Well, I don't know. I feel guilty about saying truth, but really I'm too chicken to do a dare. So oh, okay. I don't know how this will go. Well, this, okay. I dare you to scare Brian and have a video of it. And you can be creative okay. in any way that you do it. Okay. I feel like. <laughs> Is he going to be upset? I feel like he'll be <laughs> upset. And also, he scares me all the time because I'm heavy-footed mm-hmm. and he floats. I'm like, how? how is this like six-foot man just making no noise as he moves about our little apartment? I scream every other day. Okay. Well, now you can turn it around and scare him. Payback. Payback. Yeah. Hide behind I a will. door. I know how to do it. And it is when he's gaming <laughs> and he has the headset on and he can't hear anything. Because it's happened before where, like, I reach out and just touch his shoulder and it's like <gasps> a little. Okay. I'm excited to see it. And we'll post okay. both of these videos right. on our social media. Yeah. If we remember. And then um, then we'll have my breakup episode. 
Brian comes on and says that we're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's his only reason to come on to the podcast. Yeah. Okay. I have a listener story from our listener, Ruth, and it is called, I Have Never Forgotten My Past Life 32 Years Later. Hi, Corinne, Sabrina, and a very talkative kitty. I love the podcast. Before I start, I want to give a small backstory. I have, since the day I was born in the early fall of 1990, been the good and quiet baby. My mom had eight others before me, and not once did I cry except if I needed to be changed or to be fed. And according to my mom, I wouldn't even babble when someone was in the room and would start baby talking again when they left. Interesting. She was picking up like cues from such an early age to be like, I know. There's so many of us. The I'm old just, soul. Yeah. So let's get on with the story. It started the day I turned two years old. My mother had a doctor's appointment at 11.30 a.m. that day. So she brought me to my grandma's house to stay until after her appointment around noon. You want to come up here, Lay? Did you hear Ruth talking about how talkative you are? <laughs> or you just want to talk? Yes, there she comes. I'm just a part of her playground. (laughs) This is from the viewpoint of my mom. So my mom picked me up from my grandma's house and the two of us were going to go meet a friend for lunch and then go shopping. As we're walking down the steps to the street from my grandma's house, I had a meltdown, crying my eyes out. And me being the quiet baby scared my mother. So she picked me up and asked what was wrong. And I said, mommy, no look, which was strange. My mom didn't teach me that yet, and so when we got home from our lunch and shopping, she was like, who taught you that phrase? And basically named every single one of my siblings. I shook my head no to each one. Then I pointed to myself and said, I was mommy, and pointed to her, you were baby. Oh! Then I said, me no look, then pointed to the car, and my mom asked what happened, and I started to cry. I said, me and you got... There's a knock at my door. What was that? I think a knock at the door. Don't answer. Okay. We're millennials. We don't answer doors. We hide. But I like want to like peer out. Do you have soft socks on? You can like creep. Sneak up to the door. Yeah. Should I, should I real quick creep? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I need to take my heat out of my stomach. Aiden, you can keep this in. This is real life horror. (laughs) I survived. Who was it? A package. A gift to myself from, from myself. Oh, (laughs) And I just got lightheaded. Woo. That was scary. Oh, gosh. Stranger danger. Strangers at the door. Yeah. So I looked at my mom and said, Mina, look, and pointed to the car. And my mom asked what happened. And I started to cry. As I said, me and you got an owie and we fell asleep and I started to cry. After my mom calmed me down, she asked, where did we fall asleep? And I pointed to the ground outside. That was the end of remembering until I turned 18 years old. Basically, I won't make this too much longer, but when I turned 18, I remembered that the dress and the outfit that I had been wearing when I was mommy and my mom was baby was somewhere from like the 1910s to 1930. And when I turned four years old, I started singing, Are You Sleeping, Brother John, in French. The thing is... Frère Jacques, Frère Jacques, dormez-vous, dormez-vous. Yes. The thing is, my family is French, but we don't speak it. Not since my great-grandfather moved to the U.S. To this day, I have panic attacks crossing the roads, parking lots, and having fast cars fly past me when I'm sitting in the passenger seat. I still remember my past life. Ruth. 
Wow. Ruth. Oh, I feel so bad that it's it's the memory of the death, really. Like at first, the past life is coming through as like, I remember our roles, like yeah. you as the baby, me as the mom. But then that's the memory of how they lived because of how they of died their death. too, right? It's like, I remember when we were in a car accident and me and my baby died. Yeah. You were my baby. And it sounds like Ruth, when she was the mom and her mom was the baby, it sounds like they were crossing the street and a car hit them, which is so, so devastating. Yeah. But for the uh, timing too, like just to know like the era, the dress. You know what this is making me want to do is sign up for, or I guess pay for Ancestry.com, the one, not the DNA side, but the one where you can like go through all of the paperwork and see your own history through the many, many generations. And I'm curious to do so because I feel like with past lives, I'm curious if people can be reincarnated into their own families. Like, could you be your own great, great, great grandmother? You know, like what if you find out after feeling this? That you do your genealogy and you realize that your great, great, great grandma died that same way. Like, are you then them? Right. Or is this like in your, is this, are these memories like in your own DNA? Is this, yeah. their spirits are like implanting what happened to them into you? Like, there's so many questions. But that does that make sense. Have. Yeah, especially with traveling souls and everything, I do imagine it makes sense to stay in your family line. Not that, not to say that that happens every single time you're reincarnated, but mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is possible. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ruth, you should do a full deep past dive life regression. Yeah, deep dive. Like put on YouTube, do that. Yeah. The Brian Weiss past life regression hypnosis are just one of them. Yeah. Or I think there's all those like frequencies too that you can listen to to help you get into a state and try to like just meditate and yeah. open the door and see what life you had behind it. Open the door. Open, open the, door. the door. Tell us what's inside. Verashaka, what do you Verashaka. see? Door may Dormeville. Leia just looked at me. What's the next part? Like, I always say, like, Samalamatina. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's not the right words. Samalamatina. I don't know. Ding, ding, dong. Ding, ding, dong. <laughs> uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad passed when he was young. He was 13, I think. But I really wish that, well, obviously, I wish he hadn't passed, but yeah. his first language was French. And my dad learned a bit of it growing up, but it all went away. Yeah. And my grandfather passed. My dad never spoke French again. And yeah, I wish I knew it. My mom speaks French fluently and my grandmother was an Italian teacher. And for some reason, we just never were taught. I know. Now it's it was such a thing, like our grandparents' generation and the grandparents before that, like they just wanted to assimilate. Yeah. They just wanted to speak English. Everybody to speak English. Yeah. And then, so of course, like that was passed on to their kids too. Like there was no importance for certain right. people yep. to to bring the language and the culture forward. But now I feel like it's something that we're all craving and missing. Those of us who didn't grow up in houses where yeah. we got all of that still. And I so badly want my kids to speak or be at least bilingual. But then they're gonna speak to the to each other, and I'm not gonna know what they're saying. I know, but I feel like you'll pick up on it. And also, it's like, it benefits them so much. I know. I'm fine with them speaking shit about me <laughs> in another language if, like, they're good and yeah. they're better And maybe at that point, it. they can, like, you know, you can quickly, on your phone, translate. Hey, Google, translate. Wait, I don't want my Google to start going. 
Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's going to be like, by the time we have kids, there's going to be some earphone thing that you plug in and it like translates everything for Just you. Just a also. microchip in our brains. Right? Yeah. We speak every language now. We're robots. We're robots. Okay. Alrighty. I'm going to read you a story. And you've heard this one before, Sabrina. Yes. And some of you guys may have heard it as well because I first read this when we were on, I'm wearing the sweatshirt now, Creeps and Crimes for their 99th episode. Yes. And it is dark. It is so and dark. It is horrifying yeah and yet we're deciding to read it again yes as you were reading it on creeps and crimes you were like i'm so sorry you guys <laughs> it that happens to me a lot i think with the research and with emails where i'll read something i'll be like this is so disturbing like this is so dark like perfect yeah and then as i start reading it i'm like whoa this is actually when you say it out loud really you're like oh <laughs> Gosh. And then it, you realize other this, people are listening and you're like, I am I know, so sorry to subject horrified. you to this. But I know it kind of feels like I'm reading the dark web sometimes. But you know what? These are real life experiences. So they are. We're sharing them. And I think it's important. We're sharing them. Yeah. For people's stories to be okay, heard. I remember that I had cut out some of the descriptive language in this when I read it on Creeps and Crimes. And I can't remember exactly where I did that. But I'll probably do that again. Yes. Because I, I feel like there was a part where there was a child yeah. like, brutally harmed, murdered. Yeah. Um, and then there's also suicidal ideation in this as yeah. well, just to provide some trigger warnings Thank for you. everyone. Okay. Yeah. Hey, guys. I wrote to you about my favorite paranormal experience at my friend's wedding, and now I'm writing to you about my least favorite. 2019 was not my year. I had to drop out of college due to financial issues that left me homeless and sleeping on couches and benches for a few weeks until I found an apartment. I only had a couple true friends, but they had their own issues to deal with. December of 2019, I was living in an apartment with a roommate, but she was never really there, so it was really just me and my cat. When I was in college, I would spend the holidays with friends, but now I had rent to pay and a cat to feed. I couldn't just get time off to leave and travel to them. I was bitter. I was jealous of my friends and their loving families. I was angry that my own family was so broken, mm. that my parents had to be so bigoted and hateful. I hadn't spoken to them in over a year. I felt forgotten, abandoned, hopeless. So this sad. made me the perfect target for what I call the hag. December 22nd, I had a dream that started quite normal and mostly unremarkable. My friend and I were leaving a store and stepped out into the parking lot. Despite the fact that dreams usually follow unpredictable timelines, we both mentioned that it was suddenly nighttime and there weren't any other cars in the parking lot. Just a couple of lone streetlights, some forgotten shopping carts, and a little old lady pushing a cart along the sidewalk of the strip mall. We began walking towards the truck, and I noticed the old lady had veered from the sidewalk and was now also walking towards the truck. Odd. I walked a bit faster. She walked a bit faster odd. We're almost at the truck now. Then the old lady breaks into a sprint right towards oh, me. And she is fast. So this is the point where oh. I realize this is not your average grandma. Sure, she has curly gray hair, a blouse, and mom jeans, but her eyes are completely black, perfectly round and small like a rat. Her nose had been flattened and it was now just slits. Her mouth is an open circle with a ring of razor sharp teeth. I'm stunned and scared shitless. I freeze in place and the next thing I know, she's attacking me and biting at me. I'm certain that she wants to kill me, but she's weak and she's frail. 
I push her off and I make a break for the truck. My friend is already in the driver's seat and the engine is ready, screaming at me to run faster. I jump in. I slam the door. The hag is scratching at it as he slams on the gas and speeds off. Then we're jumping through memories. We're driving down the dirt road that I grew up on. Then along the interstate. Then through my college town. The sky is always pitch black. No stars. No moonlight. I feel nauseous. This story... I know. Okay, I was like, oh, where's a trash can? It feels like it feels the jumping through memories too just reminds me of when people die and like that's what's supposed to happen, right? Like you revisit you moments flash of your life. Yeah. This feels like the negative version of that where like you're being attacked and almost close to death because mm-hmm. something's coming for you. We relax realizing we lost her and then I wake up. I was really freaked out, but I have plenty of weird and vivid nightmares. So I told myself it was nothing and I got ready for work. I felt especially angry that day. I kept bursting into tears at work. All of my pain was so much stronger. I also noticed that the skin around my nails kept bleeding. I didn't think that it was weird at first. I get hangnails all the time. But then I realized that it was all of my fingers. I bandaged them up and I tried to ignore it. It's just one more weird thing. And after a long 10-hour shift, I started my walk home and was exceptionally spacey. I could barely hold a thought. If I didn't pay close attention, I'd accidentally wander off the sidewalk towards traffic. This is where I start to get worried that these weird things were a little more than just weird. Yeah, the hangnails reminds me of Black Swan. And it also just sounds like the spaciness is this entity fighting for space in her body. Yeah, to take over, right? To automate her movements, Mm. put her towards harm. It's like... Basically going into a trance. Yeah. The spaciness is just you losing control of yourself, your own direction. It's a little bit hypnosis-like. No, thank you. When I got home, I texted my best friend about my weird dream and asked if he thought anything of it. He's had his own fair share of terrifying supernatural experiences and is as close to an expert as as, as I could hope for. Mm-hmm. He pretty much just told me to keep an eye on it. It's probably nothing, etc. All night, I felt uneasy. My normally affectionate cat was making a point of avoiding me. I kept trying to tell myself that I was just being paranoid, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I wasn't alone. The air felt heavy. The apartment seemed darker. I decided to message my best friend again. I needed him to help me with whatever this was. I picked up my phone and stopped, then dropped it. I picked up my phone again, stared at it for a few minutes, and then dropped it again. I kept thinking, don't bother him. He's busy. He doesn't care. Stop making it about yourself. I spent two hours trying to text him. I kept zoning out and just staring at the wall. Every time I picked up my phone, I would just drop it again. I eventually gave up and just put on Netflix until I fell asleep. Warning, this is where it gets graphic. That night, I had what is, to date, the worst nightmare I have ever experienced. I saw flashes of hellscapes. I saw my cat, the only family I have, being brutally gutted. (laughs) There were people on tables with half of their skin peeled off, pits (gasps) with large spikes full of corpses, piles of bones, screams of tormented souls, and then the hag. Next, I found myself in a dark old house. I was in the dining room full of dusty furniture with a table set for dinner. I heard laughing and screaming coming from the next room over. I went towards the noise, and in the room was a middle-aged woman with long, greasy black hair. There was a family tied up and gagged on the floor of the room. The greasy woman picks up a baby, and then I'm going to skip this part. It does some horrible things. The mother is on the floor wailing as the greasy woman laughs and laughs. I woke up deeply disturbed and knew that this wasn't just a nightmare, but I kept having that overbearing thought. 
You're freaking yourself out. It's nothing. What a way to start my Christmas Eve. Yeah. I got up and I went to work again. My fingers kept bleeding. My nose kept bleeding. Even my ears were now bleeding. My best friend came into the store that I was working in. He'd baked me some cookies and wanted to see me. Normally, I'm always super excited to see him. We're very affectionate and we hug a lot, but I refused to even let him touch me. I told him I was busy and he should leave. He kept trying to push me to talk to him and I kept saying that I wasn't in the mood. I didn't want to be touched. He should go, but I did want a hug. I did want to see him. I was just so overcome with this anger that I couldn't control. After he left, he texted me that I needed to do some cleansing and he was really worried about me. I finally started to believe my gut feeling that something was wrong. 100%. As I walked home, yeah. (laughs) Oh, this is like, it's isolating them so much. Yeah. As I walked home from work, I had to carefully concentrate and stay present and keep myself from wandering into traffic again. As soon as I got home, I broke down. I was so angry and hurt and lonely. For the first time in a very long time, I was suicidal. I kept having those thoughts of, no one wants you. No one cares about you. You have nothing. Even your cat doesn't like you Mm. anymore. I decided to get absolutely smashed before I did anything drastic. I cracked open a Magnum bottle of my favorite wine and I started chugging. I have no idea what caused it, but suddenly that intense brain fog was gone. Oh. I felt present again. The anger and sadness and suicidal intentions were gone. Suddenly, it all made sense. Those dreams weren't just dreams. Nope. Those thoughts weren't my thoughts. There was something attached to me and it wanted me to suffer. Mm. I grabbed my sage, my salt, my obsidian, and I got in the shower for a cleansing ritual. I could tell the hag was in the bathroom with me. I kept the shower curtain open because I was certain that I would see a shadow through it if I didn't. I was absolutely terrified. The presence felt bigger and bigger. It did not want me to do this. I started burning sage and going through my whole ritual. I kept repeating out loud, you don't scare me, get out. I focused on happy thoughts while I visualized this dark energy leaving me. And suddenly there was this release of pressure. A huge weight lifted off my shoulders and my nose started gushing blood. I was so relieved to feel completely alone. Wow. I staged my apartment three times a day for the next week. I made a point of being positive and every night before I went to sleep, I would visualize a silver string encasing me. The ribbon yeah. wrapping technique. I'm still not sure what it was. It definitely felt demonic, but it never physically manipulated objects or left any visible marks on me. It also seems like it was too easy to get rid of for it to be a demon. My best theory is that she was a spirit of an old lady that died alone and became corrupted and evil over time. I've never in my life experienced anything as scary as that, and I hope I never will again. I'm doing much better now. I started dating my girlfriend a couple months after that, and her family has been fantastic. I'll hopefully never spend the holidays alone again. See you on the other side. Vex, they, them. We have a palette cleanser photo of a kitty. Oh, cute. I just want to state that Bex said there this entity did not leave any visible marks on them, but the hangnails, blood coming out of Bex's ears yes. and nose, I would argue- Killing you from the inside. Yeah. Rotting you from within. Yes. Literally taking over your soul and pushing out anything that has to do with you and yourself. Mm-hmm. And the dream, the second dream, which is absolutely horrifying, the one of like all these souls and like half peeled off skin, makes me think that this entity has done this countless amounts of times, which kind of reminds me of Rick, where the entity possessing Rick was like, um, you want to know what I did to that family at the baseball like stadium? Like this woman, entity, demon, is basically showing Bex 
these are all the souls that I've collected over the years and years and years, and they're trapped in my personal creation of hell and continuing to suffer. And that's how their energy is. That's where the energy is coming from. It also almost feels like maybe it wasn't things that were actually done, but rather this entity, whoever it had spent time with before, tormented before, it feels like a collection of worst fears and intrusive thoughts too. Because a lot of the imagery is not something that would ever happen to someone. But it's a horrible thing when people do have, like I I have OCD. And so there are, part of that is that people who have OCD oftentimes have these like horrible intrusive thoughts. Like, you know, aren't yours. And they come and you're like, why the fuck did my brain just think about that? Like, that's so disturbing. Yeah. what? How could I concoct that? Yeah. And it feels like that to me too, where it's just like, here's everything that's horrible that could chemically like rewire your brain. Mm. And it's trying to push Bex towards doing something horrible. Like it's also making me think of, oh my God, what's the name of that movie? It's a movie where it's not Duke, is it? No. What's the movie where the man, he's a writer or like a documentary maker, and he moves his family into this house where there was a mass murder. And he's trying to, like, learn all about the house. And it's possessed, basically. Like, there's darkness and an entity in the house. And then drives him to basically do the same thing. Like, it's a family. I can't. That does sound familiar. That was murdered by a parent. And then, yeah, he becomes the parent, basically. There's a book like that that I read, Push to do harm. Home Before Dark or something like that. But it also feels like this, too, where it's just, like, it's making you – it's not killing you. But it's trying to make you do something horrible to yourself. Yeah. And I will say, I wonder, because the way that Bex describes drinking this bottle of wine and having this epiphany and realization of like, wait a second, you're not allowed to take over my life, makes Mm -hmm. me think that there is this positive energy guardian of sorts around Bex who is looking out for them and and is basically like, you know what? I'm going to come through real quick. Maybe the wine for a moment kicked the entity out of Bex. So that the positivity could come through. And yeah, showers are really cleansing to to rid yourself of negativity. And it's something I've started to add into my routine is if I'm feeling negative, I love showers. I love hot water. But I get into the shower and I ask the water to take away the negativity. Yeah, which is a really nice thing to do. I'm also thinking about the show Medium. I loved that show. But that was a big thing for her character, right? Like she relied on alcohol and really struggled with alcoholism because that was her way when she was younger of blocking out all of the spirits. Right. Like alcohol in that show to her character was the protective film that she needed that didn't allow anything in. It's also like she traded one darkness for for another. another, But which is hard because I we've also heard stories where alcohol makes it makes you more open and susceptible. Right. You never know. I guess there's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to Absolutely not. I have a story to end this on that is a a bit nicer and positive, which, wow, who am I? Although I feel like like I've been starting to do this a little bit more. Maybe it's because of my growth as a human. (gasps) My psychological growth. I have more positivity. mental moment. Wow. Epiphany. I'll journal about it after this. Okay. <laughs> this is from our listener, Jay, and it's called, My sister told us she would send us signs, and boy, does she. 
Hello, ghostesses with the mostesses. Sorry, I had to do it. Let's get to it. I have five siblings, two brothers, and two sisters. My oldest sister, Sarah, unfortunately passed away unexpectedly last year due to illness. We knew she had limited time, but never knew when she would pass. Sarah was always very spiritual and believed in signs from above. My mom is also religious and spiritual. I'm a little more unconventional in my spirituality, but since Sarah knew that one day she would leave this earth, my mom, me, and my siblings, she would say she'd send us signs. And when we made her mad, she would jokingly say, I'm going to haunt you guys. Uh, (laughs) Us as parents. (laughs) And it's not dark. We all had to cope with the situation and our family chose humor. Anyway, here we go. Sarah is so active around us, it is unreal. She lived with my mom since she couldn't live by herself because of her illnesses, and my mom lived alone. Well, my mom works all day, and every night she will close the basement door, which is where my sister's room was, and tell Sarah good night and that she loves her, and then go to bed. In the morning, the door to the basement will be open, and my mom will just simply say, good morning, honey. My mom welcomes all the signs and gets quite a lot. It's become the norm for my mom to call and say something like, Sarah visited me today. She laid in bed with me and put her arm around me. Or, Sarah left me a sign today. My mom will see an indent in the bed and feel someone wrap their arms around her. Wow. A week after my sister Sarah died, my daughter, who is now five but was about three at the time, came up to me one morning and said, Mom, you said sissy was in heaven. And I replied, She is, hun. My daughter, frustrated, replied, No, mom. Sissy tucked me in last night and gave me a kiss. Ah, this is incredible. I know. I just smiled because that was confirmation that Sarah looks after my daughter. My daughter will see Sarah here and there, but not so often lately. Maybe it's because she's getting older. I'm not sure. When Christmas came around, it was very difficult on all of us. We were all together and started arguing about something stupid when suddenly my Alexa, just saying it whispering because I have some around, went off and started playing Michael Jackson, who was Sarah's favorite. We all just smiled and laughed and started singing, just knowing that my sister was telling us to knock it off, stop fighting, and just freaking get along. She (laughs) hates us fighting. If any of us are arguing with each other, something will fall or there will be a loud bang, and we've learned to just say, sorry, Sarah and then get over what we were fighting about. My youngest sister often dreams about Sarah and says that she gives her advice about things going on in her life. I have yet to have a conversation with Sarah in my dreams, but I really have been trying. My brothers don't typically believe in things like this, but even they tell us strange things that happen that they know is Sarah. These are just a few stories, but Sarah sends us a ton of signs and lets us know she's around watching over us. Whether it's a specific song, a noise, an item, a sound, a visit, a dream, or even physical touch, my sister makes herself known and brings my family so much comfort. Love y'all and see you on the other side. Jay. Jay. Oh, how beautiful is that? I know. I know. And how lucky to get so many signs. Constant communication. Multiple people interacting with Jay's sister. There's just no doubt that she's hanging out and she's there. I love that Jay's daughter was like, no, mommy, sissy tucked me in last night and gave me a kiss. Right? Oh, my gosh. So special. And it's also, it makes me feel good to knowing that spirits may have the option to stay and to support their family 
And when spirits choose to not stay for a long time or to move on, I also feel like that's just because there's so much faith in and like the understanding that everyone will be okay. Mm-hmm. Like you, you will mourn the loss of the people that you love and it will never be the same. Yeah. But there's a lot of strength and there's a lot of good in your future. Yeah. And they're excited to watch that from above or, yeah. or from the other side of the veil and watch you succeed and doesn't they don't necessarily have to always be there yeah. but i love the fact that sissy is and sissy's holding people and tucking people Ugh, in the hugs and going about her life still and i love that jay's younger sister has these dreams of sarah you know giving her advice about things going on in life which mm-hmm. reminds me of how my grandfather used to show up in my dreams and talk to me about my life yeah. Yeah. I'm so curious about how that, what that means. Like that, if it means anything, right? Like it, it doesn't necessarily mean that like just because something happens for one person, that that's just the rules of, of the spiritual world and should be happening for everybody. But it does make me wonder if like this is, this is, this happens because people are like closer to the end of their reincarnation cycle mm. or something like they're about to be spirit guides or like maybe they are now. Yeah. And that's how they get to use their their power on the other side. There's so many questions that we have. I just want the answers to the universe. I know me too. Mm. Oh, One day. Keep sending us emails, you guys. <laughs> Please. Because maybe we will have answers by the time we'll see you on the other side, right? I feel like you just had like a little twang Another- in that. Oh. See you on the other side. <laughs> maybe I was a southerner in my past life. <laughs> Um, yes, email us and send us your stories to two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening and thank you to our editors at Upfire Digital. We're very grateful for all of you and we will see you, see you on, on the, the other, other side. side.